0: the book of Romans in a particular way. But there is a lot of Christmas in this scripture, as we find all throughout the Holy Scripture. Romans, the first chapter, the first through the seventh verse. Paul is introducing himself in this letter to the church at Rome, as well as the whole Christian world. He says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture, the gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all God's beloved and wrong, who are called to be saints. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. This time of year is an interesting time of year because in it we celebrate the cradle of Christ. In just a few short months we'll celebrate the cross and the empty tomb of Christ. One of the early poems I wrote in ministry was From the Cradle to the Cross. And I described the journey of Jesus as he went from the baby in Bethlehem to crucified outside the city of Jerusalem to the empty tomb of the garden. In this season, we often wonder who is this Christ child? The first question we often ask is who is this child? But all who claim Jesus as Lord ask the question, who is this Christ child? But that question always demands, it demands that we know who we are. Who am I? I did some research, I have this book, I got it uh, when I was a sophomore there at Harnett Central by Franklin Greil, a pastor in a North Carolina Conference. He has gone on to be with the Lord. Some of you already know it's in my office. I keep it on the desk, and in it I have a map, and there's the church, Spring Hill, on the map. There's the church, it's it's Cokesbury and Kipling, where my father served across the river. And the first mention of our church to understand who we are is found on page 65 called Early Beginnings Chapter. And he says, this is Franklin greer who's a great historian and a wonderful pastor. I knew him, and he was a fine man. He served with me on the Archives and History Commission for the Southeastern Jurisdiction. He was a great writer. And he said, another mission appointment like Union Academy. That's Union. I'm pointing, I hope, that way to Union. So another mission appointment like Union Academy was Little River Meeting House. Hello, Spring Hill. You are Little River Meeting House. How many here knew that? Located somewhere among the tributaries of the upper Little River in Harnett County. I didn't know we were near the upper Little River. I guess so. It was perhaps an abandoned schoolhouse, a simple one- or two-room structure, a vacant house. But the assessment of the minister's salary was $20. And now, we're not going to amen that, no. No. And John, don't you get no ideas And Tim? Look at Tim over there. He's already refiguring the whole budget now. Mercy me. Chaffin, the first recorded uh, pastor there who kept records, he recorded his visit there on February the 13th, 1863, right in the middle of the Civil War, when it was attended with no additional comment. Although it was uh, just his first visit, this place had been established as a preaching appointment as early as 1859, so it dated even before the war, the same year that John, his, his last name is Tenen, was pastor of the Cape Fear circuit. We were part of the Cape Fear circuit. One can easily visualize the folks with simple faith who were eking out a living among the forest and rocky fields who looked forward to the visit Of the itinerating Methodist preacher who brought hope and salvation with him. So a new name for this appointment appeared in the journal at the midweek service that was held April 21st of 1863. And it was a pretty good congregation. That's a quote from his journal. So he didn't refer to us anymore as Little River Meeting House. So it was called Spring Hill. And he organized a class at the place. And as was the custom to follow up the service by accepting the kind hospitality, chafe and dine with Ithra, I T H R A, Holder. Does that sound? Uh, it's Ithra Holder. The Holder's had been longtime members of Spring Hill Church. The oldest ones living today still recalled Ithra Holder. Oh, and recall his love. I, I was thinking it was a her, I didn't. <laughs> Um, that's a wonderful name and recalled his love for entertaining Methodist preachers and they continue to use that name Spring Hill each and every year Um, and they increased their pastor's salary to $75 so they gave a big raise there Um, this rural church continues today as a very strong station appointment in the Fayetteville district you can see Miss Joanne for more information just regarding our history But I read that for a reason to help us understand who we are. In the scripture, Paul is writing to the church at Rome and he's describing to them the nature of what it means to be a Christian. In fact, our identity is tied up in our belief. We are Christians first and foremost. Christianity is how we defined ourselves. We claim Christ as our Lord and Savior. We follow Christ. We walk in the way of Christ We are followers of Christ. So from the very beginning, Jesus has that power to just attract people from the wise men to the shepherds to the others who came and saw him as a babe. He has that power to help us to find out who we are. So let's look at the scripture in particular today, the verses of the scripture. So Paul already identify himself by his new name, Paul, instead of Saul, his given name, his Jewish name, because he was given the name Paul through his faith in Christ Jesus. So he identifies himself as Paul, or the Greek is actually the Paulus, that's his Roman name. He says Paul, a servant, it says in some translations a slave, a servant of Jesus Christ. So he identifies himself immediately, as a follower of Jesus to the church at Rome. He says, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, that word called there means set apart. God has set us apart. Each one of us here today are being set apart by God to find our true identity, who we are. Now, we can look at our history and know our identity. We can look at our past. I'm the family genealogist, or used to be years ago as a history major at Methodist, and I did my genealogical study after the TV series. You remember Roots in the early 70s? Well, I did our family history all the way back as far as I could go. It went pre-revolutionary war all the way back to the early 1700s, even into the 1600s. We Smiths had been around a long time. We are Smiths, and we're wards, and... So Leona is, she's a long and she has white in her. We have different uh, names that we're part of our identity. I discovered all sorts of identity of our family, of who we are. I felt like knowing about this story would help me to know who I am. I've since come to realize that the greater identity is in Christ. A knowing I am a child of the Lord, a child of the King. Paul is saying that here. He says, I am a servant of God, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel, called, called in this scripture, called to be an apostle, set apart for this gospel in Jesus Christ. So as we come to Christ this Christmas, we ask the question, who is this child? Who is this Jesus? Certainly historical figure. Certainly a person who existed years ago that changed history. But how could a baby, so innocent and so pure, born in such a troubled world, change the world in such a way? He did not build a monument. He did not establish an empire. He did not build an army. He was not a general. He was not an inventor. He was not a great philosopher or thinker who wrote great books of intelligence and understanding. He was a baby, a child who grew into a man, who did miracles, and then did the greatest miracle of all when he conquered death. How could it be that this Jesus is so important? And that is the question. Don't know if you read this past week, but the Pope is very concerned. And sisters and brothers, when the Pope gets concerned, I get concerned, okay? (laughs) And the reason the Pope is concerned, and he's said this in an interview, in a speech. He said the Christian faith is dying. And he said the reason we're dying is we're not changing. He says we need to change to stay up with the times and to be relative to the world. Now, I appreciate the Pope and I understand that he's a man of great learning and great thought. He's the head of a church that is worldwide. But the way I look at things is can the Christian faith really die if we really know who Jesus is? How do we think what we do somehow influences the eternal kingdom of God? Perhaps that is me getting older. I do not know. But what I do know is God is able. God is able. We're going to have a lot of challenges this coming year. Not personal, I hope, not personal in any way. But we're going to have challenges. We're going to have challenges from overseas. We're going to have challenges of threats from far away. We're going to have challenges internally. From our nation. We're going to have all sorts of things. We're so divided. Our nation is so confused. It doesn't know who it is anymore. It's trying to erase history and rewrite history and pretend history never happened and somehow come up with a history they think has happened. We are a nation in the midst of an identity crisis. We are a people struggling to know who we are. But all we have to do is look at the baby. And understand that in Christ we find our identity. Paul did. He said, I am Paul. I am who I am in Christ. He's saying I'm called to be an apostle. I'm set apart for this gospel. He promised this. And let's keep going as he promised this to the prophets in the Holy Scripture. See, we didn't just happen yesterday. We're not a byproduct of some immediate matrix that somehow makes us exist because it just happens to be the reality that we're in right now. We're here because history and tradition and all the things that have been and all the loves that have been and all the hates that have been have coalesced together into this moment of us being here. Christmas brings that out. That's why we have such emotions and feelings because Christmas isn't just about this Christmas. It's about all the Christmases. You know, one of the greatest stories of Christmas, the Christmas Carol, talks about the past. It talks about the future, and it talks about the present. And in the story, you know, the ghost of all three ages come together to help change this man's heart from being cold and the possibilities that could have been to the probabilities that could be because he made the right choices. We are here because of wrong and right choices. Hannah just finished up her first semester at Duke. Everybody waving, Hannah. Hannah, hey, baby, we love you so much. Finished her first semester at Duke. She had the great Will Willimon, the bishop Will Willimon, as her teacher. Now, just when Dr. Willimon walks around the campus, he has an aura, a light that shines around him, and he had students always following him, asking him questions, and he's a great thinker. He's a wonderful man. And she's learned so much, and now she's quoting Willemond on me. Used to, she used to quote me. Now she quotes Willimon. Because Willimon's smart. he's just smarter than I am. My Lord have mercy. I pale in comparison to the great Willimon, but I tell you, he is a smart man. He's a man that has served with diligence. He's a man that just didn't happen. He's part of the legacy of faith is a fourth generation pastor she was just approved by the Western North Carolina Conference to start the process of being an elder in the church and baby the church you're going into is going to be something but we don't know what's going to happen but we do know God is still God and Jesus is still Jesus see that's what he's saying here the prophets have said this these things are going to happen Jesus said you're going to have wars you're going to have rumors the pope what to do maybe the pope should say we should believe because just changing it ain't going to do it uh-oh i'm coming down it's always dangerous when i come down because i could fall right here and i could land in your lap now would you catch me thank you amen Hamilton, I want you to move over there. Now, that do anything? Is everything different? you going back. It's fine. It's fine. It's... You were getting uncomfortable over there, weren't you? You wanted to be here because you're comfortable here. See, what the Pope was saying is that we need to change because we've gotten too comfortable and we're not ready to move where we need to move. Well, the way I look at it is change for change's sake does not do anything. But change for God's sake does everything. Because we're going to have some changes here, by the way. This uh, fellowship hall we have here, that's going to be redone. It's going to be changed. And it's not change for change's sake. And I have not been on the committees to decide the colors involved. And I will not serve on those committees. But I will support everything that's happening when we build this fellowship area into what God would have it be. And that's coming in 2020. Uh Uh-oh, I just said it. Tim, you better get your pencil ready. Start writing it down. Because we need this. Because the preacher don't make just $20 anymore. We need this because we've been using this for everything. and we need something like, dare I compare it to Union down the road and how pretty their fellowship area is? But we don't want to compare to the Joneses or the Smiths or the Smiths or the Joneses. We want to compare to what God would have us do. So I'm not one for change for just the sake of change. I'm for change when it glorifies the kingdom of God. If your seat is comfortable and your seat is healthy and your seat helps you to grow, then stay in that seat, plant seeds and root in that seat and grow in that seat. But if the time has come for you to see a different venue in a different way, then by the power of God and the grace of God, do something about. And that's what Paul has done. He says this promise was given through the prophets in the Holy Scripture. Let's keep going. He says the gospel concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. He is connecting Jesus to David saying that God now is doing a new and wonderful thing through the bloodline of David. And this wonderful thing is that he gives us the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's keep going to the fourth verse. And was declared to be the son of God. With power according to the Spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's stay on that for a minute. Because He was declared to be the Son of God. So this little baby isn't just a baby. This little baby is the Son of God. We don't come to this baby and say how cute you are and how wonderful you are and how beautiful you are, though He is all those things. We come and we bow down before Him. We bring presence to Him. We know Him as the living God He is. Jesus is the Christ. God isn't going to let us mess it up. God's going to do everything, and He's doing everything to save all of us. He can before His judgment comes, and His judgment is sure. I prayed about last Sunday. I was troubled by the sermon from last Sunday, and I want to tell you I'm sorry for the harshness I shared last Sunday. I know I talked of the virgin birth. I know I spoke of Jesus being the Son of God, but I also spoke about judgment in a harsh way. And the way I talked about it, it may take away hope from some people. And I never want to take away the hope, for that is what we have is hope in Jesus the Christ. He is holiness. And His resurrection from the dead redefines everything. It helps us to know who we are and whose we are let's keep going to the fifth verse through uh him whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all gentiles for the sake of his name so paul is writing to this early church helping them to know that this baby jesus is more than just a beautiful story this jesus is salvation salvation He has given us grace, and He's even made us apostles of the gospel to bring about the obedience of being a faithful people. For that short time, I was in Kuwait, so with Leona at the marriage, well, Leanna, I was able to meet with a Coptic priest, the Coptic Christians there. You know Mina, my new son in law, he's a Coptic Christian. His heritage is traced back to the first century in 65. A.D. when Mark went to Alexandria in Egypt and started the Christian church there. And as I shared with the priest, he was describing some of the ways through the limitation of language. And I celebrated what I saw in him because what I saw in him is what I see in us. I see a church reaching out for Jesus and Jesus reaching back to us. The other day, I guess some have heard Leanna fell at school. She's a school teacher, teaches English. She fell, and she broke her ankle. She cracked her ankle. Now it looks like she's not going to be able to come home. For the first time, she will not be able to come home for Christmas. She's always made her journey, no matter where she was in Korea, in Hawaii, around the world. It looks like this may be the first year. Even though she is in marital bliss, and I have uh, sessions I can have for anyone about marital bliss. I can have you in marital bliss within 10 meetings. Come to me and we'll talk, and you'll be all happily and, and just married and everything. I see some very eager to sign up for this. That's good. Because it's a blessing. In fact, today, 35 years ago, I said I do, and she said it too. And we did. 35 years. It's a jade and uh, a coral anniversary. So that means something from the ocean and something from somewhere else. I don't know. And I couldn't find hardly anything. They don't have hardly anything in Sanford at the jewelry store. but. But I remember it well because we went down to Sweet Home Baptist Church and there we were married. And I remember that it was such a big celebration. Uh, but see, we didn't have video cameras too much back then, so we took still pictures, but we recorded it. So when the children were watching the video here a few years back, they noticed we weren't moving because I put the words with the pictures. And so it's like we're standing there, and then you hear the service, but we're not moving. And I remember Leanna said, How come you're not moving? And I said, I was scared to death. <laughs> see, all these things make up our life, these events. Our marriage, our children, our family, our history, our tradition, our church, our pastors, our teachers, our Sunday school teachers, our friends, our neighbors. This all makes up who we are. The identity of who we are. We cannot erase these things. Some are bad, but some, more than some are good. And Paul was saying that we need to claim this obedience to the grace God has given to bring about the faith so that all can share now in their true identity. Because it's not about who Jesus is. We go up to the crib. It's not about the cradle. It's about who we are. That's what the story of Christmas is about. It's a reflection of who we are. And who are we? Let's keep going. Including yourselves who are called to belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus. Jesus is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our friend. He is wonderful. He's our counselor. He loves us unconditionally. He wants what is best for us and He will see it through. He will carry you all the days of your life. No matter if you're in a foreign place or at home. No matter where you may be, Jesus Christ is there for you. Jesus Christ. See, Paul is saying that we belong to Jesus. Now some may say, well, I serve myself. I serve my own ways. That doesn't last very long, does it? Because our ways are not God's ways. And no matter what our intentions are, they usually end up in the mess that they become. Only in Christ Jesus can we make the steps we need to find the reality of who we are. And let's look at this last verse where Paul shares this great love of knowing this identity in Christ to all God's Beloved in Rome. People in Rome hadn't been called beloved before. Paul was the first one ever told them uh, to all God's beloved because Rome was the capital of an empire that dominated the world, that controlled one-third of the world's known mass that made whole people slaves. This empire that used its boot and its control of people. And now Paul is calling forth not the demons of their nature, but the angels of their nature. To God's beloved in Rome, you are called, uh-oh, this one's tough, Sam. This one's tough, Harold. You're called to be saints. Now, what's the equivalent of that? The only thing I can think of in my limited capacity, because I am not Dr. Willimon is a coach telling a team, you boys are okay. No, that's not what a coach should tell a team. Though I'm afraid some of my teams are okay this year. A real coach tells a team, the start of the year, you are champions. I'm coaching champions. You are saints. How many here feel saintly? Miss Charlie, you can raise your hand. Amen. That makes you more saintly. You've got to raise your hand higher now. She's so humble. How many here are saints? Hamilton, keep your hand down. How many here are saints? Hamilton, you are a saint. You and Stuart, you're both saints. You're, all you children are saints. Y'all were angels, you know. You always be saints to me. My grandmother, who lived to be 104, said everybody was younger than her. Everybody was a child. Well, a lot of y'all are becoming children to me, though some, well, are like me. You're all saints. See, Paul is saying, this is who you really are. It's who you were meant to be before the circuit got broken, before the virus entered the operating system. You are saints. You're meant to be good, not meant to be bad. You're meant to have hope, not to have hopelessness. You're meant to have love, not to have hate. You're meant to be the better, not the worst. I made you for the greater, not for the lesser. You are angels beyond. You are my children of the eternal. I have something wonderful planned for you and we together would do great things in this place I have made for you where you have your own room, he says. You are part of my family. You are my child. I love you. You are called to be saints. So I'm not saying to change. I'm just saying to be who we are. And who are we? We are the children of the living God. We are children of the child of Bethlehem. We are children of the son of God in Jerusalem. And we are children of the risen God from the empty tomb. Grace to you, he says. And peace From God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ, He first extends to us grace, which is God's offering of hope to us. And peace is how we receive that. Because I've come to learn that if a person is against God, they're at war with God. But we are called to be at peace with God. So what does God want us to do? Here's what God wants us to do. Have yourself, Ms. Norman knows where this goes, a very merry Christmas. Gather your loved ones around. Tell them that you love them because they won't always be there on this side of the veil. Do not lose the opportunity you have that God has afforded at this moment because time changes and the years they flow by. Take full advantage of this grace God has given because God loves us so. Grace to you and peace from God our Father In the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.